eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I, I like that you just tied that into. If you get the tiebreaker, all you guys do is win out, and if the Braves win out, it's a wrap, and now we go back to history in 2000. The Braves did clinch before the Mets did. They won 7-1. to You nailed it. And the stat was, even if the Mets win out and the Braves lose out, they, the Braves would still have the edge because they had the tiebreaker. Yeah, then back, the then, back then, before the second wild card, that's how they ran it, where... There would be a tiebreaker to win the division, and it wasn't a big deal because the difference between winning the division and a wild card was just not a big deal. In fact, you could look this up. In 2005, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox finished, a, finished in a tie for the American League East, but the Yankees won the tiebreaker. And it was the most anticlimactic final three-game series of the year. They played each other, and nobody gave a crap about the division because it was like, eh, what's the difference? And look what happened. The Yankees played the Angels. The Red Sox played the White Sox. I think both teams didn't have home field advantage. Like, both teams were on the road. It was like, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> Who cares? So, right. so I was right that the Braves won the division and then the Mets won the wild card the very next night, right? You were right. And then Steve Phillips basically said it doesn't make a difference. The goal was the division, and we didn't get there, so we lost the goal. So he okay, kind of so, pooped the whole thing. So, listen, I remember as a kid the feeling about this. You wanted to beat the Atlanta Braves. We hated the Atlanta Braves. Remember what had happened the year before? They played in the National League Championship Series. Almost came back from 3-0. Chipper Jones haunts our dreams. All that's true. But there was no difference between winning the division and the wild card. It, I, I don't know the audience, the average age. If you're under the age of, I guess, 30, you probably don't remember this crap. But it was terrible. It was not a good time. They made the wild card and the division almost equal. And now the reason why we're so passionate about the division is that it's not equal. Now, I I will say there is a flaw in this playoff format that will not affect the New York Mets, and that's winning the division and still having to play in the wild card series like the Cardinals are. That's a flaw. Because to me, you win the division, you should get the bonus of something special. They're only giving that bonus to two teams, specifically the Dodgers and whoever wins the NL East. The whole whole system is flawed because... They're trying to, uh, you know, fi- they're trying to fix the problems that they've had over the years. I mean, they threw out the the one game playoff, which was basically a playing game, 
and they realized that was a mistake. So now they're trying to, to you know, kind of piggyback off what the NFL does. But until they have four divisions in each, you know, until they have four divisions in each league, you can't really do it. They got yeah, to, I, they have to they have to re, <laughs> refigure teams. <laughs> Which funny is, and maybe you disagree with me on this. I love the wild card game. I thought it was great. I thought it made a lot of sense. And if it was unfair, too freaking bad, go win your division. Now, what would the difference be? I don't think there'd be any difference with the way we would focus on this divisional race. Because if we were under the old format of last year, you win the division, you're in the divisional series like we're doing right now. If you don't win the division, you're in a one-game playoff as compared to this new best of three. So I think our feelings towards the division wouldn't be any different. But the reason I loved it is because they fixed the issue of the wild card and division being interchangeable, which is the way it used to be. So, look, I, I like the format that they used to have. I don't love this format, but we're playing by it. And the one thing I do like, at least in the case of this year's National League East, is winning the division matters. And the example I'd give you is if we were battling for a division right now, Mets and Braves are battling, but the Cardinals were at 105 wins. See, see what I'm saying? The Cardinals are, and the Dodgers clearly are going to have the two best records. Then the division and the wild card would have been very interchangeable because you'd still have to play a best of three. And the top wild card team gets home field advantage throughout. So hear me out. The Cardinals have more wins than the Mets and the Braves. Just imagine that world. What the hell would the division race mean right now? We wouldn't even give a crap. Because either way, you have to play a best of three with all three games in your own building. It wouldn't make a difference. Now, that's going to happen someday. That hasn't set up right now for the ALNL. It hasn't. But it will. And when it does, you're going to say... Who cares if we win the division? Does that make sense? What I laid out, it, it does. And you, the, the hole in the that's why I, I don't like the playoff system right now. I'm not sure the best one we ever had. I mean, when it was simple, where there's just like you, you had two representatives from the NL, two representatives from the AL, but that was even that was pathetic too because you need to have some sort of like chance. There's 30 teams in the league. You want to give you want to give hope to some of these teams. Now I think it's just a little sa- oversaturated. And it, like you said, there's just if you get to that point where there's just that many teams that are dominant, it doesn't make any. It, it just it's all screwed up. I don't. A right, couple couple things with these injuries. Brandon Nimmo says not a big deal about his calf. We're gonna find out Friday. They need him. That would be a major major blow if Brandon Nimmo has to miss any time. You're probably looking at Mark Hanna playing center field. You're probably and and Starling Marte is not walking through that door really that soon. I know the latest was Marte expects to be ready for the Atlanta series. We'll see. I, I'm also concerned and. This is not a huge factor yet, but start to think about who the Mets may play in the playoffs because the Mets are going to the postseason, whether it's in a wild card series or whether it's in the divisional series. But let's say, hey, the Mets win the division and the Mets are in the divisional series and they are facing the winner of a series, hypothetically, between, let's say, the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres. The Mets against lefties scare the crap out of me. This right-handed lineup that they have has a major, major issue. It's got a few major issues until Marte comes back, one of which being, who is the right-handed DH? Mark Vientos, who we all wanted, is one for 17. Darren Ruff's looked a little bit better. He drew a walk the other day at a base hit about a week ago or something like that. No one trusts Darren Ruff. So my suggestion, if Marte's healthy, only works if Marte is healthy, 
is that the right-handed DH would be Eduardo Escobar. And you would play Luis Guillerme at third base, and you would play Jeff McNeil at second base. Luis, I'd basically be saying, look, I don't trust any of these right-handed bats, so let me just make my defense that much better. And I think Guillerme could at least give me quality at-bats against a tough lefty. He may not produce very much for me, but I expect him to give me an 8-9 pitch battle, and my defense at third base is really good. And looking ahead, and I don't want to look ahead, the whole Dodger rotation is lefty. I mean, think about it. You're looking at Urias and Tyler Anderson and Clayton Kershaw. There's lefties up the ass with that team. Obviously, Atlanta's best starter is a lefty in Max Freed. So I don't know if there's enough time for our confidence level in Darren Ruff or Mark Vientos to change dramatically. But I really think the answer then is going to be if Marte's healthy and Marte's playing right, your DH is Eduardo Escobar, who's been really good and is playing every day. He's earned that. Against lefties, against righties, Eduardo Escobar's kind of earned back that trust. So against lefties and against righties, he plays. I guess against lefty, against um, righties, you would play Escobar or Guillerme, McNeil at second, Marte and right, Vogel back at DH. But probably Escobar. As good defensively as Guillerme is, Escobar's bat's been valuable. Yeah, no, he's had one of the high, hot, uh, one of the hottest bats on the team in the past recent weeks. So you, you can't. We've waited all season for this. If he's there, you can't sit him. You know what I mean? No, nah, he plays. I think he's absolutely earned that. And then it leads to who protects Pete Alonso. I was thinking about this all season long. There has not been a consistent number five hitter. There's been a consistent leadoff hitter. His name is Brandon Nimmo. There's been a consistent number two hitter for the most part. His name is Starling Marte. There's been a consistent number three hitter, Francisco Lindor. In fact, Brandon Nimmo has let off 137 times this season, which is crazy. Uh, Marte, who's missed time due to injury, has batted second 107 times. Lindor has batted third 126 times. And Pete Alonso has hit cleanup 142 times. So now say to yourself, all right, who should bat fifth? Who has bat fifth? Do you know how many different guys have tried to, quote-unquote, protect Pete Alonso this season? How many guys have batted fifth this season? Uh, I mean, it could be upwards of 10. You nailed it. That's a good job out of you. 10 different guys, which is absurd. I know. That's absurd. 10 different guys have batted fifth. It's mostly been Vogelback in recent time, and I think against a right-hander, it will be Daniel Vogelback. But Eduardo Escobar has done it 37 times. Jeff McNeil has done it 36 times. I guess if Marte is healthy, you run into the, does McNeil just go back to 5, 6, or 7, or do you consider keeping him towards the top of the order? He's been batting third recently. So what are you going to do? I mean, you're not dropping Marte. You're not dropping Nimmo. You're not dropping Lindor. So my gut is, if all these guys are healthy, because obviously Nimmo's dealing with the calf right now, because I think if... if um. Nimmo is hurt and misses any extended period of time, the leadoff hitter probably becomes Starling Marte. And you could go Marte, Lindor, McNeil. I don't and want to envision it, this, but that could be the case. And, and who's playing center? Is it? Is it? Canna. Ugh. Or Tyler Naquin. Yeah, I know, but that, that's an ugh, too. Yeah, I don't look at The whole thing. Or, or Jeff <laughs> McNeil could play the outfield, and now you've got Guillerme at second bay. I mean, there's... There's a lot of different ways you can go. I just hope it's not the case. Nimmo seems to think it's a minor thing. Now, he's going to have an MRI, I'm sure, and they're going to check him out. 
So what Nimmo thinks may not be the case, but losing Brandon Nimmo would be such a blow because of all the guys that have owned a spot in the batting order, Brandon Nimmo as the leadoff hitter seems to fit better than anything in the world. Obviously, Alonzo cleanup as well. But you could see Pete Alonzo batting third or batting second, which we saw recently. Brandon Nimmo is the leadoff hitter for this team. And it would be a major, major blow not to have him. But think about all the different guys that have batted fifth. It's insane. I think Eduardo Escobar has become a big candidate to bat fifth now with the way he's been producing. But Daniel Vogelback has gotten hot. That's been a big help. Uh, outside of that, I mean, Mark Canna batting fifth? No thanks. Darren Ruff, if he actually plays? No thanks. But the protecting of Pete Alonso, which has been a worry and a concern all season long, uh, I think it comes down now against righties. It's Vogelback against lefties. I don't, know, I don't know who the hell it is. They don't have a lot of great options. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No, um, but I, I, it's, it, I think at this point in time, you just ride the hot bats. I think that's where, where it really what comes down to. But the problem is there's not many. <laughs> so there's not many to choose from. So that, that's, that's the biggest flaw. Well, they've become reliant on the stars. Think about yeah. that. Look at how they came back in game two of this series. They need Lindor and Alonzo to be superstars because that's really how this offense homes. That's how it goes. They need their stars to play like stars. Dude, they're having career Mets seasons. Like, I'm not going to say that these are the best seasons of all time, but, like, Pete Alonso's putting up numbers where he could break, what, single-season RBI total, single-season, potentially single-season yes. home run record, right? I mean, that that's that's up there, potentially. Lindor has has set records for a shortstop. I mean, what they're doing is is really impressive, and yes. I don't think they're getting enough credit. No, they're both having outstanding seasons, and they both have had clutch seasons, no doubt. They broke the uh, HBP record in the finale against Milwaukee, the hit batsman record, which you knew what was coming. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to the 2022 New York Mets on that. I also read that there's a team this year, I forget who it was, it may have been the Reds, who are going to break the record for hitting the most guys. So clearly more guys are just being hit in general in Major League Baseball. Uh, to me, it always just comes down to don't get hurt. Obviously, the Marte thing has been very, very serious, and they've lost him for an extended period of time now. But a lot of times when guys get hit by pitches, I'm excited because it means you got on base, and that's really what it comes down to. So here's where we are. It's very simple now. The New York Mets have 11 games left in this season, but they have five before they play the Atlanta Braves. Five games left against the Oakland A's and the Miami Marlins. Can the New York Mets go into the Atlanta series up a game? That's the goal. I laid that out a few weeks ago. Sign me up for being up one game in the National League East going into that Atlanta series where all you've essentially got to do is win a game. If you win two, great. Then you've really taken the division. But if you win one game, you could walk out of that series tied but on the tiebreaker, and just beat the Nationals at home, and you win the National League East. Here's the way things lay out. Five games, three in Oakland against the A's, two against the Marlins. I've got good news. Sandy Alcantara is pitching this weekend 
which means he will not pitch any of the two games against the New York Mets. So that's a positive right there. Three against Oakland, two against Miami. I'd like to be a pig and say win all five. If you win all five, I feel really effing good that we'll pick up a game at least on the Atlanta Braves who have to play four games with the Philadelphia Phillies and then they play the Nationals again. Yeah, I don't know what I'm getting from the Nationals, but they do play the Nationals again. And then obviously it sets up for the series against Atlanta. I don't know what to expect from Philadelphia. The Phillies, obviously, you know what did the bet last weekend, including blowing that game on Friday. If you can go 4-1, and one, yeah, hey, give them one loss in Oakland. I prefer not to. I prefer to just win every effing game. But if you can go 4-1, and one, I'd also feel at least halfway decent that the Braves would lose a game because the worst case scenario you want to be in is be even. That's where you want to be. Now, if you're a game back, you put yourself in a spot where you have to win the series and then tie them up and you have the tiebreaker. So it's not end of the world stuff if you're a game out. It just means, boy, you better win that series. You have to win that series. Being a game up gives you the cushion that all you essentially have to do is win a game. You get swept, it's over. I mean, I'm sorry. And you don't deserve to win the division at that point. I don't like saying that because you're going to win over 100 games. So it's not fair to say you don't deserve something. But... Right now, with five games left for the Mets and seven games left for Atlanta, a game up to me would be the ultimate goal. Is that a reasonable expectation, Pete? Which one, the 5-0 and or the 4-1? Uh, and one? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm trying to combine it with Atlanta because it really comes down to that. Because if the Mets go 5-0 and and the Braves go 7-0, and they're tied. And there's nothing you really could do about it going into that race. I just have some hope that the Phillies are going to win at least a game against Atlanta, right? Atlanta's losing one game before the Mets series, guaranteed. I just I just say they're not they're not winning seven in a row. It's just not it's not happening. No, oh, so I, I feel like you're jinxing this right now. No, I'm <laughs> not jinxing anything. It's just reality is is going to set in again. The off day I think is huge. The, the funny thing is the all they have the off day before the Mets game, so that kind of sucks a little bit. But I, I just think that it's it's going to be those they have. Too long of a season left to be undefeated. They're not going to sweep the Mets. They're not going to win seven in a row. They're not going to win ten straight. You know what I mean? So I, there's definitely a, a loss before the Mets get there, and I think the Mets will. It's now the Mets got to do their part. I think four and four and one is realistic. Well, I, I, they should go five and zero, oh, but they need they four and one is realistic. What's crazy is that you would feel less confident about the Oakland series just because it's. It's the West Coast. It's a road trip. I, you never know. The Mets are set up in this Oakland series to have Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer. And you've got Bassett facing his former team, a stadium he's very familiar with, a mound he's very familiar with. You'd have to feel good about, and really good, just about these pitching matchups going into this series against Oakland. And then obviously the series against Miami, you're looking at Carrasco and Taiwan Walker. And, and I think with both guys, you're not really sure what to expect. With Cookie, it's either good Cookie or bad Cookie. And he's mostly been great recently, so I don't want to pick on him for his recent outing. Like, his Carrasco has been a tremendous second-half pitcher. And Taiwan Walker has really bounced back after, you know, everybody was saying, oh, second-half ties back. Taiwan Walker's had three good starts in a row. I don't care what his numbers say from the finale against the Brewers. I thought he pitched really well. It, it is the game uh, against Miami, is that a day game? No. <laughs> oh, well then, no, unfortunately. Then I don't know. Then I don't really bet on that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> they got... he's, been dom- he's been dominant during the day starts. It's been unbelievable. I know. 
So they got Friday night in Oakland, Saturday afternoon in Oakland, Sunday afternoon in Oakland, Tuesday night at City against the Marlins, Wednesday night at City against the Marlins, off day, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. They got Sunday night. Thank God for that, by the way. I love that they flex that game into Sunday night. Makes the Rico have to start a lot later, but that's okay. <laughs> can at least watch football during the day. And then obviously they end the season against the Washington Nationals. Monday night, Tuesday night, and then everybody plays at the same time Wednesday afternoon. Here's the bottom line, Mets fans. This was a very good week. They uh, put together a six-game winning streak, which was very necessary after what happened against Chicago. It sucks they lost the finale against the Brewers. It wasn't fun. It was a blowout. It was ugly. But here we are even in the lost column with the Atlanta Braves going into that final stretch before we go one-on-one with the champ, the Atlanta Braves. And for any Brave fan who says we obsess over them, we do. We're in a pennant race. Of course we obsess over every game you have. I assume you obsess over us. That's the fun of a race. You're looking at what that team's doing. They're looking at what you're doing. That's called a pennant race. And uh, this has been one hell of a pennant race because in my lifetime, when you think of true pennant races, the New York Mets have been in, it really comes down to, I hate to say it, 2007 and 2008. And both were choke jobs. 07 more so than 08. But those were frustrating pennant races. The Mets ran away with it in 06. 99 and 2000, I guess, were pennant races. They were for the wild card. 99, the one-game playoff, all that. 15, 16, not really. This is a true pennant race. And this is a heavyweight pennant race. Because you're talking about two teams that are clearly going to win 100 games. Think about that. The Mets are 95 and 56. They have 11 games left. If they go 6-5, and five, which would not be good enough, we all admit, 6-5 and five will not be good enough. They're going to win 101 games and not win the National League East, which is insane. Like, the Mets may finish with the second most wins in the history of the franchise. I mean, that, that's what's so remarkable about what this team has accomplished, which I guess is also what's made it so frustrating that we can't simply enjoy what's been a great season. Hey, let's get ready for the playoffs. And instead have to sweat out, you know, like this all-time pennant race. But that's what's crazy. They've won 100 games three times in their history. They won 100 games in, 108 games in 86, not going to match that. But they won 100 games in 88 and 100 games in 69. They're going to defeat that. The Mets are going to finish this season with the second most wins in the history of the franchise. That's crazy. I said this. I said this before this, not before the season started, but the, as things were starting to heat up, I got questioned how many wins will the Mets have. Say I said 103. I still feel very comfortable with that number, but I do say for the Mets to win the division, they need 104. That's that's the yeah. Be the number. It's look as long as they win a game against Atlanta because eight and three sounds like oh that's probably good enough. Yeah, but if you get swept by Atlanta, it's not. So not all losses or wins are created equal, especially because of that tiebreaker. So no matter how you add this up, the Mets have to win a game against the Braves to ensure that they win the tiebreaker for the National League East. But more on this as we get closer. We'll obviously have a Rico after the Oakland series uh, and get you set for the two games against the Marlins and obviously get you set for the showdown against the Atlanta Braves. I did write down the way the pitching is lining up for the Met-Braves series, but I got to throw it out now because of Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider is dealing with a minor oblique injury, and he's been pushed back from his last start. So we'll see what that means for him when he ends up pitching. 
All I know is that I know what the Mets are lined up to do. The Mets are lined up to throw Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer. When I wrote down what the Braves were in line to throw at the time, and I'm not sure if this is going to change, it looked like it was going to be Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, and Max Freed. So that may change depending on the status of Spencer Strider. I do wish him the best. I don't want that guy to be hurt. I want to kick his ass. That's what I want to do. I want to face him, and I want to kick his ass. Anyhow, Craig and I, 2 o'clock on the fan. You can hear Hoff with Tiki and Tierney. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 